of people. So I, and nope, it's not going to be political. But it'll offend our mind, and many times God will offend our mind to expose our heart, you know, so you're like, oh, what's going on in there, right? And so you can choose to stay in the offense, or you can choose to look and, and look at your heart and you look at your belief system, right? Because it's, many times it's our belief system that is offended. You know, we subscribe to a theory, we subscribe to a theology, we subscribe to a party, and when that fails, right, we have a conflict because it wasn't what we thought, you know, and so we feel sometimes a little bit like offended or attacked because what you believed is in question, you know. And I believe most of you will be okay with this, but I think it's, it's very important that we lay this foundation, um, and that is that God is not bipolar, <laughs> meaning God is good, right? And everybody knows how to say that, right? Every church, you get up there, you know, no matter what language or what country you're in, you say, God is good, and everybody responds, all the time. and they've played with it, and they say, all the time, and they go back and forth until one of them messes up, right? Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> but do we really believe that God is good all the time? Do we believe that God is only good, right? Because it's kind of a, it, it's a really, really important thing. You know, it's so important that it's the first thing that, um, that was uh, used against God in Genesis, you know, from the very beginning. You know, so many might get offended at some point or another, but I really encourage you to, you know, do what the Bible says and hold no offense and come back and just let the Holy Spirit speak truth to your heart, you know. And if it's truth, you know, he'll, he'll lead you to truth, right? And if you're misunderstanding it, he'll clear it up for you, right? And if it's something unsettling, then put it on the back shelf and come back to it later, all right? But remember, our, our, uh, our main goal isn't agreement, that's not the number one goal. It's, 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 it's we want to be connected, right? We want to be connected. We pursue connection, right? That we might be one in him, right? That the world might see us as one in him. So, you know, whenever you hear something at church that you go, I don't agree with that, don't fight, flight, or freeze. <laughs> Look at your heart, okay? Take it to prayer, you don't need to go tell everybody else, like, oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, I don't agree with that. That's wrong because of this or that. No, just take it to God, right, Amen. and pray about it, you know. And um, so anyways, um, as I was saying, you know, the reason why many people are offended at this statement many times is because they've, um, they've chosen an alternate belief system to justify or excuse the bad things that have happened in their lives, you know. A lot, of, a lot of things, you know, injustices and, and abuses and, and things that aren't God-like happen in our lives. And many times we, we like to say that was God or that God was in it or that God allowed it or, or, or things of that nature, right? Or God is in control of everything because it makes us feel more at peace. It makes us feel more at rest knowing like it wasn't the devil, but let me tell you, the Bible's clear, right? That it is the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10, 10, right? But Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundant. It is clear that, you know, it says Isaiah 54, 17, it said, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Well, who do you think is forming weapons against us? It's not God, right? No weapon formed against us will prosper. 
No tongue that rises against us will prosper, right? None of those things. But who's the one protecting us? It's God. So it's important that this concept of not just God is good, but God is not bipolar. That we understand, like, he's not only good. He's not just good, but he's only good. In other words, he doesn't change, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a lot of people have a hard time understanding how can he be the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I see a different God in the Old Testament and a God in the New Testament. We were never called to the Old Covenant. We were, you know, it was, it was not for us. It was for the children of Israel. We were never even given that opportunity to serve under the Old Covenant. Right? We were given a new covenant in Jesus Christ. So yes, he changed all things. And, and really, we are not going to dive into that part today. But in this th- series, we will, we will talk about that stuff. But it is important that we keep an open heart and, and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, is there areas in my life where sometimes I go, I'm going to use the God is in control card to get out of responsibility, to get out of, um, you know, looking or, or maybe just looking into my heart saying, what, you know, why is this happening, or why am I attracting this, or what, what's going on in my life, right? Because it isn't God planning uh, against me. Jeremiah 29, 11 clearly says, right? What does it say? Do you guys know? For I know the plans that I have for you, plans of sometimes be good and sometimes not, in order to teach you a lesson and straighten you out when I need to. No, right? It says I have... A, a future, a hope, good thoughts, good plans for you. Like it's clearly stated all over the word. So what happens with the things that we don't understand? We, we don't understand them. Things that we don't know why that happened, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that in, in, in a few minutes. But, um, but I, wanted to go, uh, I want us to go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse uh, 6, okay? Um. Sacred cows <laughs> distort the true image of God and give people an image of God that is not Him. Mm. And sometimes we start cutting God into our own image. Right? We were created in His image, but then when we experience things, here's, a, here's what happened. We have experiences in life. In an imperfect world with imperfect people, with flawed people, yes, even Christians, right? With flawed people. And when we experience negative things in life, we tend to start creating rules and theologies around those negative experiences. And they start distorting the image of God, and we start creating a God into our image instead of remembering He created us in His image, and He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? And so... um, in uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 says, the, uh, well, actually, let me, let me read verse 4. It says, um, actually, let me start in verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Okay, what is that? It's, the serpent was sowing doubt, right? Didn't come straight out with like a, this is it. He's like, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? And says, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not, God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. 
If you do, you will die. You will die. How many rules were there back then? One. One. One rule. Do not touch wet paint. Seems to become a magnet. Verse 4 says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Okay? She's having a conversation. Doubt has entered her heart. And verse 6 says, the woman was convinced. The woman was convinced. But see, what was she really convinced of? Because that argument wasn't to convince her about the one fruit. The argument was attacking God's identity and nature, right? That argument was attacking, you know, who God said he is. That argument, what she was really convinced of, if she had gone to Sozo, (laughs) what would have come out is like, what's the lie, Eve? (laughs) The lie is God doesn't really have my best interest. He's withholding from me, right? He's not really all that good because he's withholding from me. And what happens is that when we believe the lie that God isn't really good, it leads us to sin. Because if he isn't really good, he's withholding something good that I want, that I can't have, that I shouldn't touch, that I shouldn't eat. And it will always lead to sin. So she was convinced, and that's the lie of sin. The trap of sin is that it's, it's better than what God has. And so the woman was convinced, and many, many people are convinced, right? God is bipolar. They don't say it out loud. That would be heresy, right? I'd be like, what? Blasphemy. But they, in their heart, they're not sure that everything that he has for us is good. And so therefore comes perversion, which is the alternate version of everything that he created, because everything he created was good, right? You read Genesis in the first few chapters, and and you're like, he made this, and it was good. He made this, and it was good. He made this, and it was good. He made man, and it was good. He made woman, and it was very good. I think I changed that up a little bit, right? But it was all good. So no evil came out of God. Everything that he did was good. Everything he created was good. So where did evil come from? Evil is a perversion of anything that God made, right? And it's when the enemy or when we take things that God made and we make them good for nothing. We pervert it. We create a different version of what God did. Sound familiar? Today's world, there's a lot of perversions of different things, right? So many things. They're not meant to do what people are using them for. And what do they do? They cause pain. They cause death, right? They, all, the ways of sin still, still lead to death. I mean, that, that hasn't changed, right? Sin isn't an issue for God. He dealt with sin. Sin is an issue for us, right? It, it is, I am the one that gets hurt by sin. So, our view of God will affect how we relate to him and how we receive from him. 
That's why it's so important that we know, that we know that we know God is good and he is only good. Because how you see him, how you perceive him, your view of him will affect your relationship with him and will affect what and how you receive from him. Why? Because God is not moved by need. God is moved by faith. He's not moved by need. If God was moved by need, there'd be no hunger in the world. There'd be no poverty in the world. There'd be no depression in the world. There'd be no sickness. There'd be no pain. But God's not moved by need. He's moved by faith. He's no respecter of persons, but he's moved by faith. You with me? This is good, right? Yeah. Okay, come on. Give it a... So does God have my best interest in mind? Absolutely, he does. Everything he created is good. He tells me over and over in Jeremiah 29, right? All over the word in John 10, 10, he came that we might have life, an abundant life, right? Well, I know, this could step on some toes, right? Aren't we supposed to suffer? Jesus suffered, so we might not suffer. But if you want to suffer, you will suffer. Because he doesn't make anybody do anything. You know, and that's the other thing. You know, we say God is in control. Kick that cow. He's not in control of everything. I mean, he holds the planets. He holds the stars, right? He laughs at the global warming ideas and all that stuff. But, but he's not controlling people because he gave us free will. He set us free. I mean, you can see from the very beginning, he set us completely free to do and get whatever in whatever kind of mess that we choose to. He's not controlling people. If he did, we'd all be perfect. I mean, if he controlled your spouse, he'd be like, oh, my goodness. It's like living with Jesus himself. But he doesn't. But isn't he sovereign? Yes, God is sovereign, but he's not in control of everything. Think about it. He is sovereign. Of course he's sovereign. And that's why he chose the principles and the laws, <laughs> the physical laws and everything. He chose how to create the world. And he, because he is powerful, he decided this is how it's going to be. And these are the principles that you can live by if you, if you so choose to accept it. <laughs> Amen? Okay. Here's the other thing. You know, I said, you know, our view and perspective of God, how we see God will affect how we relate to him and will affect how we receive from him. In James 1, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, let's go there real quick. Um, you know, I love, uh, I love this chapter. You know, we've been singing uh, Dan Maria's song, uh, No Shadow of Turning. There's no shadow of turning in him. He doesn't, he's not moved by external circumstances, right? That's reaction. God's not reactionary. He's, he responds. He responds according to who he is, according to his word, according to what he already established from the beginning, right? So in, uh, in James chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith in God is in God alone. 
do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind, right? Other versions say it. it's like a double-minded person, right? One day you think something, another day you think another thing. You know, God is good. Well, he's not so good today, you know. He's good on Sundays, but on Mondays, boy, it's, it's, it's tough, you know. This happened to me. He's not being so good to me right now. He's not being nice. You know, if he was good, then this wouldn't have happened. If this was, if he, God was good, then this would happen, and it would happen now, right? And, and, and so it says such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Oh, that's harsh. Their loyalty or their mind is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So in order to receive from God, in order to have a, a right relationship with Him, we have to have the right view of God settled in our hearts. He is good, and He's only good. Say with me, God is good and only good. Okay? And so, faith is necessary. What we believe about God will change what we, what, how we relate to him and how we receive from him. Um, and then, you know, right here is what it's telling us. So if, if you think he's good and sometimes he's in good, it's like you're going to have a hard time receiving from him. You're going to have a hard time having a relationship with him. Next point, God is a father. God is a father. Think about that. I mean, we... All of us who are, who are fathers or, you know, or have any sense of what a father should be, you know, our idea is to give good things to our kids, right? So it says in Matthew 7, 11, you know, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more our heavenly father? Right? He's comparing his, his fatherhood to us and saying, hey, you're a father, you're a dad. You know, you wouldn't give your kid a stone, you know, instead of bread. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do these evil things to your kids. Like, why do we accuse God of doing some of these things? Right? If we did some of the things that people accuse God of doing, we'd be in jail. Your kids would be taken away from you. And yet, we, we, we sometimes just like, you know, church and religion and, and all that stuff is, is putting things on God that it was not God. It was the thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy. It was the devil. We live in a broken world, right? Saying that God didn't do it, but he allowed it is the same thing. Boom, there's another sacred cow. Spiritual cow tipping today. <laughs> he didn't do it, but he allowed it. Well, that's the same thing as, you know, letting your neighbor abuse your child and, and not doing anything about it. Just you allowed it. They needed to learn a lesson. Well, that's just evil. That's evil. You know, how can we allow it, like, Religion to sometimes say these things about God. He's a good God. He's a loving Father. And he tells us right in his words, like, hey, if you think you're good and you wouldn't do these things, well, I, I'm a way better Father. 
I'm a way, way, way better father. I'm a perfect father. I wouldn't do that. You know, it's important that we settle this in our heart, really, that it becomes a foundation. God is good, and he's only good. He's good, and he's only good. He's not bipolar, right? Um, Matthew 12, 25. You know, let's go there and read real quick. It's very important. You know, this also allows us to, if we don't know that God is good and only good, we will not be able to differentiate from, you know, when we're being attacked by the enemy. Think about that. If you think God puts sickness and sometimes brings calamity to your life to teach you a lesson, how will you know when it's the devil? And you should defend yourself and you should take your authority. That's confusing. How do I know I, I need to stand up to this thing and take my authority? And to, no, 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 it's God. God's, God's doing this in my life. Why would we ever pray for healing if, God's, if God sent the sickness? I don't want to pray against God's will. Do you see how twisted this can get? So much conflict inside. It's like creating a spiritual cognitive dissonance inside of the body of Christ. It says Matthew 12, 25. Let's read. It says, Jesus knew the thoughts and replied, um, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he's divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. You know, what happened here is they were accusing Jesus of, of doing this by the power of the devil, right? Of healing people by the power of the devil. He's like, hold on, do you know what you're talking about? A kingdom divided against itself will not prosper. A house divided against itself will fall. But yet, these are sacred cows that have been passed down through generations and religion and, and, and religious mindsets, right? That make no sense but distort the goodness of God, the nature of God, and therefore cripple us from really receiving every good thing that he has for us. Yeah. And it cripples us from having an intimate relationship with him. Because let me ask you this. How can you have an intimate relationship with someone? Have you ever seen that movie, Sleeping with the Enemy? Okay, some people have a relationship with Jesus like that. They're like, good night, Jesus. Don't really know when he's going to, you know, teach me a lesson. How can you trust someone? How can you have an intimate relationship with someone when you distrust them? It's like, whew. That's pretty difficult, huh? Yeah, because it'll affect the way we relate to him. How do you know that you can ask for abundance? How do you know that you can ask for riches, even though it's plainly in the Bible, written right there, when you're not so sure because somebody told you that, you know, like, you know, it's, just, it's only for some people. You know, God chooses who he blesses, who he doesn't bless. Like, how will you know that you can ask and believe for these promises if God isn't always good, you know? Maybe it's just not for me. Maybe you just need to become a better steward. God only blesses some people. He doesn't want abundance for everybody because it would destroy me. If I had so much money, I would never go back to church. Ding. (laughs) 
So God is a father, right? And as a father, we need to know, like, if he's, a, if, if I'm, a, like, I want the best for my kids, like, I would never put sickness on my kid to teach him a lesson, right? I mean, that's like, that's straight up CPS call right there, right? It's like, you what? You, 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 you scraped your kid's knee to teach him a lesson? Like, what kind of sick, twisted person are you, right? You give him cancer to teach him a lesson? Are you kidding me? You made him a diabetic to teach him not to eat sugar? Like, like we, we think that God is in all of these things. And it, it's like, you wouldn't do that to your kids. Are you saying you're a better person, better father than God? No. That'd be crazy, right? These things don't make sense. God is good and he's only good. He's only good. He's not bipolar. He doesn't send sickness and healing. All right, take a deep breath. Wow, you really needed it. Let's go to John 14. Man, John 14 is one of the deepest, richest chapters in the Bible. There's just, I spent months on John 14 before. Um, but let's just go to um, verse 8. Listen to me. Jesus is perfect theology. You know, if you don't understand what that means, I'm going to explain to you right now. Jesus' perfect theology. In other words, there's things in the Old Testament that happen, okay, that, that are not a, um, a direct representation of the nature of God, okay? We don't understand them, okay? There's many things in, 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 that come into play there. Yes, Old Covenant, yes. They had no knowledge of the devil. Also, um, they, they weren't filled by the Holy Spirit. They didn't have Jesus, okay? And the Bible clearly tells us in Hebrews that we are now partakers of a better covenant, okay? Amen. So it's not apples to apples, okay? But we see Jesus, and we do see the goodness of God, and we even see the grace of God displayed all through the Old Testament. The problem is religion, right, has painted a picture that is like, really twisted about God's nature that shows like, well, he was kind of <laughs> bipolar, but then he changed his mind and now he's good. And that's not true either. Okay. God is good. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. So what happened is that ever since Genesis, since the Garden of Eden, Jesus, Jesus was prophesied. Jesus was in the plan there. Okay. And it took all that time for Jesus to come. Why? Because Jesus is what? He is God. He's Emmanuel. God with us. That's one of his names, right? Jesus is Emmanuel, which is God with us. Jesus, we can say, is perfect theology because in his life, he showed us exactly what the Father is like. Clearly showed us, right, what the Father is like. Okay, so there are many scriptures, but one of them is right here in John chapter 14. And if we go to verse uh, 8, it says, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Okay? Show us the Father. We want to know what the Father is really like. Show us the Father we'll be satisfied. And verse 9 says, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? I mean, isn't it the three in one? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? The Trinity? You think they're in disagreement? No. They're in perfect unity. Okay? 
And it says, I have been with you all this time, Philip, yet you still do not know who I am. Anyone, say with me, anyone, anyone. Okay, who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the perfect image of the Father. That's amazing. That's amazing. Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. Therefore, his life is perfect theology. In other words, anything that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus is not the true nature of God. Just to clarify. What about this? What about that time? Listen, did Jesus do that? No. Did Jesus ever put sickness on anybody? And right here he's saying, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. You know, Jesus went to pray. Morning, night, he went away, right? And he was always getting a download. What do you want to do? God, what do you want to do? When he multiplied the food, the fish and the bread, right? He looked up to heaven and he said, he, he blessed it and he gave thanks, right? I believe Jesus' eyes were always set on heaven to know what the Father was doing so his hands could be set on earth and do the will of his Father. And that's how we really bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. When our eyes are set on what God is doing, right, and our hands are set. I'm preaching good. <laughs> Jesus is a perfect picture of the Heavenly Father, right? And so when he is looking at the Father, I believe that's how we're supposed to live our life. We look at the Father. God, what do you want to do? You know, when you go into a place, like being aware of what he's doing, being connected to what he's saying so that we can do and say the will of God. You know, it's a relationship thing. And that's, that's where religion comes against it because religion is like, let me give you a set of rules. This is what you're going to do. Don't deviate to the left or the right. You'll be good. We'll see you in heaven. But God invited us into a personal, intimate relationship with him. He's like, I want you to, just like Jesus did, wherever he walked, wherever he went to, you know, to let me live through you, right? But we can only do that when we have an intimate relationship with him. What is he doing and what is he saying? And so Jesus is perfect theology. And if ever comes something uh, questionable about the nature of God or is God good, look at the life of Jesus, right? Because right here it says, just look at me and you've seen the Father. How do we look at Jesus? We read the Gospels, right? We read his word. What did he do? And I'll tell you what he never did. He never put sickness on anyone. He never turned anybody away and say, nope, not your turn. You got to endure that sickness a little longer. You got to endure that pain a little longer. He never did that. So what then? Why am I still experiencing this, right? Where we're fighting the good fight of faith, right? And we're growing and we're renewing our mind. And there's many reasons what happened, but I tell you what. When, uh, I love this example Ashley uh, uses in the Power Academy. Um, so when an airplane crashes, there's a black box. And they do, and they spend a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of resources to find out why it crashed. 
why the airplane crashed, right? And there, I mean, all kinds of tests and research that they do, right? To find out what happened, what went wrong, why did it crash? And it could be a million different reasons. But you know what they never, ever question? They never question gravity. They never, ever, ever go, hmm, well, maybe it was gravity. Maybe gravity didn't work. Maybe gravity stopped working. Maybe they never, ever question gravity. And see, it's the same thing with God. Things happen for many reasons. But, you know, the one reason that it didn't happen, the one reason why it wasn't, the one thing that we could never question or don't ever have to doubt about, which is what the devil did in Genesis, is the goodness of God. Was it God? That's, the one, that's gravity. Because he's not just good, but he's only good. And it just takes a little bit, you know? Just a little. Is God really good? Did he really say that? Is he always good? Is he only good? It just takes a little bit, you know. Open that door and you start doubting. And all of a sudden, you're convinced. Are you with me? Oh. Okay. So Jesus' perfect theology, okay, we can rule out completely blaming God, okay? Um, many reasons why it happens, okay? Many reasons why bad things happen. And, and that's not today's lesson. You know, we will spend uh, other time uh, teaching on, on that, why bad things happen. But, um, but it was never him. It was never Jesus, right? So we could never say that sickness comes from God. See, Jesus' life is the measuring standard, okay? That's why we say Jesus is perfect theology, because Jesus' life is the measuring standard. What he did, right? He came and he said, you know, what I did, that's what I want you guys to do, and even greater, right? Good. But Jesus is the measuring stick. So I use this example. There was a, there was a pastor who was very excited uh, about helping in, in the construction of their new building, okay? It's not me, just so you know. And he was really excited to, to help build, right? But he didn't know much about building, okay? So he finally got a job from the contractor, and the contractor was like, okay, I need 108-foot pieces of two-by-fours. So here's all this wood. Cut it to eight feet, right? And so he pulled out a measuring tape, you know, cut the first one, eight feet, right? And he thought it'd be just so easy to just use that one that he just cut as the next measuring stick. So he did, right? And he cut the next one, and then he used that next one as a measuring stick, and then he used the next one as a measuring stick, and every one that he cut became the new measuring stick, you know, to cut all, all of the wood. Well, you know, where you put that line, you know, it's just, just like, you know, like a sixteenth of an inch of difference, right? Not a problem if you're doing two or three, but when you do 100, you know, you end up with a completely different measuring stick, right? And sadly, that's what's happened in church is that Jesus came, right? And ever since, we've had experiences, right? Negative experiences and things that weren't exactly like we thought in the Word. 
that have become the next measuring stick for the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. It's been passed along, and it's deviated from what the Word of God is and the character of God that was exposed through the life of Jesus, who is our only measuring stick and is the only one that we should be looking at for what God is supposed to look like. And so we need to get back to the only measuring stick that we were given, which was the life of Jesus. And Jesus is good and only good. And Jesus is not bipolar. <sighs> do we need to do some prophetic acts and kick some cows? Like, <laughs> Just kidding. We won't do that. We, we've had enough. Uh, um, um, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Experiential learning this morning already. Okay, so God is good, the devil's bad. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Just because we can't understand something doesn't mean we question God's nature. You know, Ima imagine that. Every time something bad happened, you look at your wife. Did you do that? Smells like burn. Did you do that? Tire went flat. Did you do that? You know, like every time anything bad happened, you just, you know, that's so arrogant. That is so arrogant. You know why? Because you're saying it's never me. It's never me. It must have been somebody else. It must have been something else. I'm perfect. God, is that you? Are you trying to teach me a lesson? All right, I'll submit. No, you make bad choices, and people around you make bad choices, and there's collateral damage to everybody's choices. That is not God's will. When you understand God is good and only good, you can better see the, the Old Testament. You can better understand the Old Testament. See, many people think like God punished Adam and Eve so he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, if you, if you see that with the measuring stick of the previous generations and the religious mindsets that have you know, been passed down on and on and on, then yes, that makes sense. But, it, but it's not it. You know, God was actually protecting them. He was protecting them from eating from the tree of life and being stuck in that sinful nature forever. Another sacred cow. Bam. See, like there, when you know that God is good and only good, you're going to have some questions. And it's okay to have some questions. And some of those, you know, might not be answered until you get to heaven. But we need to be firm on what we do know instead of creating a theology around the things that we don't know. Listen to this. What we do know is the life of Jesus. What we do know is the word. What we do know is the new covenant. We cannot create a theology and a doctrine and beliefs around the things that we do not know and the things that we haven't experienced. Instead, we need to create it around his word and the promises that we have seen fulfilled and the miracles that we have seen happen. 
if we don't, we'll just stop believing. We'll stop standing. We'll stop hoping. We'll stop all those kinds of things. We'll become passive. Romans 2.4, it says, It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not his badness. It's a homeschool word for you right there. Just kidding. It's his goodness. He's not leading people to repentance with a stick. He's not leading people to repentance with fear or threats or punishment. God is not leading people to repentance with sickness. But guess what? He's so good. He's so, so good. Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for the good of those who love God. So even in our mess, even in our mistakes, and even in our shortcomings, even in the injustices that happen to us, he's so good that he's even putting a clause for all those things that might happen or happen and say, hey, don't worry. If you, you're in relationship with me, you can trust me. I'm going to make it good for you. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to redeem it because I am the good redeemer. God is good and only good. And it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. You know, it's really sad. I used to hear people say like, yeah, you know, God's bringing them. He's bringing them really low, you know, just like to the lowest point so they can repent and come to God. Let me tell you something. It is common sense that when you cannot go any lower, you look for other options. But it is not God's strategy, right? The prodigal son, he was eating pig food, fighting with pigs for his food. And he came to his senses. But it was not the father that was teaching him a lesson. It was not the father that was like, all right, send more pigs, you know, it was not the father that did that for him. He came to his lowest point and he came to his senses and he chose to come to God. And a lot of people do that and yay, they came to God. That's good. But it wasn't God leading him to those places to bring him there. So it makes me cringe when I hear people saying like, yeah, you know, God's really working with him. He's like really suffering right now, you know, just a matter of time. I'm like, that's not God's doing, you know. That's what they're doing. It's his goodness and his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's so good, right? It's, it's that father. Like if, if the prodigal son could see his father's Facebook post every day, right? Be like, father's status, arms wide open, waiting for son to come home. That's the goodness leading him to repentance, right? I'd be like, hey, I'm not mad. I'm actually looking forward to seeing you again. If you could have seen that, right? That's really the true nature of God. And that's how he is. And when we know and we express and we show others the true nature of God, it's that goodness and that grace that leads people to repentance. Did you get something out of that today? Amen. All right. Let me pray for you. God, we need a revelation of your goodness. And I pray that through your word today, God, 
all the truth that we've spoken about, God, that you would settle in our hearts as building blocks of your nature, of who you are, God. God, we want to know you as you really are, God. We don't want to create a God in our own image. We want to be able to distinguish when the enemy's attacking us and when there's things in our life that we need to take authority over. God, don't, don't let us be blinded by religious sacred cows that, that tell us, that give us the idea that you change and that you're sometimes good and sometimes not, God. But I, I pray today it would be settled in our hearts and it would be something that it's not just settled in our hearts, but that we will pass to our children and every generation that you are good and you're only good. You're only good. I thank you, Father, that every good gift comes from you. Every good gift comes from you. Thank you, God. Now just let the Holy Spirit speak to you for a moment there. You know, in James 1, 16, it says, Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Wow. And the Holy Spirit is telling you this today. Don't be misled. Don't let anybody trick you. Don't let anybody twist your view and perception of God. My dear brothers and sisters, verse 17, and whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes. There's no shadow of turning in Him. He never casts a shifting shadow. Every good thing comes from Him. Every good thing comes from Him. So we thank you, Father. Every good thing comes from you. Every good thing comes from you. We position our heart, God, to, to come closer and more intimate with you today. We say we are free from ever doubting if you were good or that you were always good. We say no more doubt. We know you are good and only good. And so we come close, close, intimately close to that one and only one that has good plans, good future, and a good hope for us. And we position our hearts to receive from you all your good gifts all your good gifts. Thank you. Thank you, God, for all your good gifts. Thank you. It is your goodness that teaches us to think a different way, that teaches us to think how you think.